0: hi and welcome back to the show today i am joined by maria Sukgang. she is the founder and ceo of remotify as it says on the tin remotify is a remote based eor which is an employer of record which is a different form of outsourcing and eor peos are really exploding right now in the market there's a lot of interest for uh, this kind of outsourcing. Uh, Maria, we uh, indirectly have known each other for some years. Maria is a veteran of the outsourcing industry and she was very successful within the corporate realm, within the corporate ladder, and she decided only recently to go out on her own and build her own outsourcing firm. She did, uh, that was a big decision and she's obviously done fantastic since they've only been going for just about two years they've uh, got about a 100 staff now so incredible uh, result and outcome for Maria as always I certainly enjoyed this conversation and learned a lot and I hope you do also if you want any of the show notes go to accelerator.com slash podcast enjoy <music> about to start or are somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over 3,000 outsourcing firms, representing a global workforce of over 5 million people. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. So Maria, I want to learn all about Remotify. Uh, Tell me about Remotify. You are a product of the outsourcing industry and you've gone and built your own outsourcing firm. So kudos to you, well done. And tell us a little bit about the story.
1: Sure, Um, Remotify is an employer of Record Solution and we really wanna make sure that we can make remote outsourcing excellent, sustainable um, and efficient for all. so to do and you mentioned that indeed i started my um, career in the bpo industry i started back in 2005 at ict group uh, one of the pioneers in the country where i had the real opportunity to be exposed to really inspiring women leaders karen betumbackal to to name a few where i realized that women in leadership positions can make a massive difference beyond the work at hand but also can impact to the extent that it touches more people people's lives in the Philippines. So from there, I grew up the ranks from service to quality to site management and then regional management. And then later on, I moved into global a global leadership position at a, a UK-based um, global telco tech company. That's where actually we first met in person when I was in a work trip um, for a work trip in London. Um, and uh, we, we got professionally introduced uh, at a dinner at Brazil, so that that's that's good. Um, good to good to be in touch again. But yeah, so going back to the story um, from um, before founding Remotify, I was uh, the global head of service experience at that UK-based Telco Tech company, and um, it was a pretty innovative company. We 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 led in the eSIM and IoT space. Um, I've been there for. Um, 12 years and during my 12-year tenure um, I had the privilege to, to to occupy the top leadership role in its Asia-Pacific hub in Manila and I then got the opportunity to uh, help the team from a country management perspective to, pr- perspective to support the local teams both in Manila and then in Hong Kong and then um, during that tenure um, basically grew to to having three departments in five countries and that that exposure really uh allowed me to be able to navigate through the the differences in culture and understanding really um how the big game is played uh basically um well, and then, it, it is
0: it is amazing how how you know big but small the world is isn't it and you know we were hmm. we met in London. Uh, yeah. just really by chance, but it's uh, incredible that the world seems to be getting smaller and more networked. And uh, of course, you know, everyone's working globally now. It's it's fascinating to see. Maria, you were doing incredibly well then in a corporate setting and, you know, you were very quickly, you're still only young, but you were very quickly rising through the ranks. What was it that attracted you to setting up your own shop then? Was it, was it not enough or you you were excited by the challenge, or you felt that the rewards would be greater? What what was mainly motivating you to go out and set up on your own?
1: Mm. So it actually, the the pivoting point was during the pandemic. It it was, I, I spent 17 years of my career working um, following the sun for, for other countries, right? Because I I had to represent my teams. So I couldn't really work Filipino hours and really work European hours most of the time. And during that time, I really realized how much I'd been missing from uh, the time uh, that I didn't get to spend with my children Um because for more than a decade, I was finishing work when my children were already in bed and trying to squeeze in weeks worth of family time into weekends, basically. And it wasn't until we were forced to operate remotely that I realized just how efficiently I could do my job from home and just how much I'd been missing, as, as, as I mentioned earlier. But then when I started to think, um, what if I consider having to do this, you know, uh, full-time working. And then I looked out and I saw that a lot, one of the major caps we've identified is that uh, most people working 100% remote remote are usually gig workers without employers on record. And that typically means they're paid directly by foreign clients without social contributions or proper taxes filed. And the result of that is less opportunities for them to make exciting or life-changing Purchases, they couldn't even get a home or buy a car or even get approved of a loan because they don't have the financial records and then they're exposed to another piece which is work isolation or without running without a security of um, tenure or employment and not having proper hr support so they're stripped off of these benefits that should be given and um that's that gave birth to the idea of remotify we thought. What if it can create a workplace that's not an actual place, but anywhere employees feel um, valued, connected and cared for? And we wanted to put dignity and stability to these remote work opportunities. So as an employee of record, we take care of everything from HR to payroll to hiring to also engagement of the team. Uh, we afford our clients um, control over their uh, day-to-day operation, but then we make sure that you know, there's proper KPIs in place, there's attendance, uh, timekeeping, there's... All of these things, um, and this means that employees get to enjoy all the benefits and security of a normal corporate setup without uh, the freedom of, uh, with the freedom of remote working, but without the, the fears of not having a job the next day because uh, um, an informal client pulled out. So that's
0: that's the inspiration to that. Well done. And what about you yourself? Since when? And when did you start Remotify And how are you going? Give the give the sort of brief update on on where it is now, how how big it is, and when you started.
1: Sure. Uh, I founded Remotify in twenty twenty one. I was at that time still working for the telco tech company, and I then um, quit and did full time. Um, I focused on the entrepreneurial journey um, last year in October and it's been we are a bootstrapped company so it's both challenging and rewarding at the same time. Uh, Since then we've grown to uh, almost 100 um, employees on our record and uh, from the first year to the second year I'm really pleased to say that even though uh, we are bootstrapped um, we grew at about 2,176% 2,176% in 2022, with a client retention rate of 92% and an organic web traffic growth of 600% in the last year. Um, also, thanks to the Incredible. team, of course, even when it's uh, remote working, when we surveyed even our employer of record um, uh, employees, uh, we managed to earn great place to work certification. We we are a certified great Great place, great place to work organization. Before um, Remoteify turned two years old, and I think that is uh, the testament to 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 our belief that you know it culture is so so important because everybody is. Working in an environment where there's not a water cooler conversation, and if you're not very clear about the culture that you want to build and you want to share to the workforce within your team, um, then easily the the belonging tax gets bigger because mm. because of the conveniences gained through remote work, I guess.
0: And how do you manage? How do you manage that uh, to maintain culture, or even to develop culture? And this is. You know, we're obviously all heading in the direction of remote or certainly far more flexible work and things like that. I really worry for the younger generation. You know, I'm kind of older, I've gone through the motions and I kind of know what it is to be professionalised. And But the younger generation that are maybe coming into the workforce now, if they never actually physically join the workforce and they just work from their home, their bedroom... Um, you know, it, it, it creates a far different life, doesn't it? And a far different reality. Do you worry slightly for, for that younger generation that might not ever see an office or do you see it as just purely positive?
1: No, there, there's also pros and cons to that, as you mentioned, right? But it's very, very important that as we transition to remote, we don't forget that it's still a corporate environment and that's where systems play in, right? Come to play. I mean, if you have strong um, systems to see before you even hire somebody, is there Ergonomics is there, you know, a proper workplace is there, a proper internet connection, and then there goes the management, and then there goes the 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 culture. And when you ask me how how I've designed that, we we made sure that we are crystal clear from the start. What are the principles that we wanted to to share, um, and that is, you know, just making sure that we influence them by making a lasting impact by being natural keeping things simple keeping awesome promises after they've made them to to the clients that they work with and to the customers that they've worked with and taking responsibility over their their actions and being accountable over that and how you how you ingrain that is making sure that you have strong programs to inculcate that within the teams and really treating them um as your own, um, and making sure that you're you're staying true to that culture and that that culture and that value. When I think where it fails is when you set words on paper, you hung it on the wall, and you forget about it. That's, that's where it fails, but when you make sure that there are proper guidances, there are proper, you know, these are your KPIs at the start of, of the employment, and, you know, you still go through the probationary period, and um, you make sure that people are, are fit to, to do the work that, that they do, and kind of unite them in, in, in the mission of making sure that representation of Filipino talents is very important, and it, it's, it's really something that I stand for. Um so that's one also one of the drivers as to why I founded Remotify. I mean, as as a Filipino woman I've spent my whole career pushing for representation and equality and it can can be frustrating as a minority to know just how much, you know, talent and drive you have without having the equal footing as others to showcase it. So remotify brings filipino talents to the doorstep of the rest of the world and it levels the playing field but then we share that mission to these employees and to make sure that they they know you're not going to be big brothered, but there's there is that sense of accountability over the the work you put out because that's not just you it is you building that trust over the talent that the talent that Filipinos can put out. And that actually creates more job opportunities for every role done right. That is every role considered to just outsource in the Philippines because they see the work ethics, they see the, you know, the value for money, and then they see the loyalty and Just the culture Mm -hmm. of care and friendliness right so we 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 all know that we we are ahead in that from a from a a cultural perspective in in the philippines i know that there's a trend right now and i worry about it In, in tiktok it's getting viral with this bare minimum monday and 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 really that worries me because then there's there's too much excuses to to do bare minimum work, but the alternative to that is understanding that the psychology of of great work is making people come alive in their work if they're put in the right roles and they feel they add value and they are able to be creative. Um, and that you know what the global employment market is 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 actually opening up for more Filipinos as well. Then then people wouldn't want to look for excuses to to slack off right if, if you that's if you really the this. hard
0: thing though isn't it maria like you know how do you how do you really get people interested because you know mm-hmm. like i own this business i've only ever owned my own businesses and i am super passionate about the mission of building the business but mm-hmm. a lot of the day-to-day work that i have to do is an absolute grind you know and i'm mm-hmm. you know i'm just like oh my gosh like and it, it takes real grit and persistence, and mm-hmm. I wonder—you know—is it always going to be a holiday? You know, is it always going to be amazing? Um, and sometimes people just realize that work is work, and it's a job yes. for a reason, and you get paid for a reason, and you've got exactly. to grind through it. And it's really difficult to to, to balance that, isn't it? You know, because if it's all fun and holidays, then actually that's no. not work; it's a it's a hobby. Exactly. How do you how do you sort of balance that out with? I don't know, kind of the, the workforce always demanding um, kind of better conditions, better environments and, and more supportive frameworks.
1: At the end of the day, I always say this, it's not a charitable institution, it's a business, right? And we, of course, safeguard people from making sure that they have mental health support, that they have, you know, uh, all these experiences to have access to, to to, great work and to have engagement. But at the end of the day, as you say, it's work. And when you have proper systems to check are they doing their work right? And if they're not doing their work right, then you have all the footing to not regularize them or to put them on a performance review. At the end of the day, it's all about systems, regardless if it's remote or not, right? So there's a lot of amazing technology that helps with making sure that even when remote, we can still uh, manage to 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 really work as a corporation. I mean, the whole world has proven that, um, for two years during the, the strict lockdowns. And, you know, f- thanks to internet, uh, a lot of the big internet-ran companies survived. And and it's just making sure that we break the stigma from both, both ends. Like, there's a lot of misconception uh, about remote work that still needs to be corrected, but also there's a lot of misconception from the employee side about remote work remote work, that it's all fun and games. I mean, it is, um, and it's not all, a lot of uh, remote workers are very professional and are, are are great, right? And that's where, you know, the right selection of talent comes into play, I guess. But um, making sure that those boundaries, those systems are in place to be able to make sure that your business operates to the standard that you want it to operate um, is very crucial. And then there comes the, the values, right? The value set when you when you hire your team members, of course you, it's, I mean, not everybody will be the same, but um, it's very important that we are able to assess whether the value set of the person is a fit to the business because values are neither right or wrong, right? You could mm-hmm. be a person that you, you value sales for example no matter the cost even if it's fraudulent and then you get put in an organization where it's high com- compliance and that's not that's not a fit or if you are um, a, an organization that values service and then you get you know get a get a candidate that really is just out there to wait for the next paycheck then that's really not mm-hmm. going to work so it's understanding which you, I guess uh, for me, it's understanding what you value as a business, and making sure that from the onset you are only getting um, people to start off with. When when we when I started the business, right, so um, it's not going to be a big team immediately. So you have we have the opportunity to to be able to to hire culture co founders, and above anything else, that that then will translate to to how well you could just you know let go of the of the alignment and the day-to-day alignment that is required to run a successful business because you trust the people that could run it on your behalf. So I guess, I guess that also plays a big part.
0: And, um, yeah, it, it, it's all sort of nuances, isn't it? It's all details that all play big parts and it's difficult to, to manage it all. Do you see, you know, like what you were saying about what is it, go slow Mondays or whatever, um, there's more and more stories of remote candidates kind of using and abusing systems. You know, like remote candidates potentially apply for multiple jobs at once. They might potentially have multiple jobs. They take jobs just to get the computers and hardware and then they quit and then they don't return the hardware. Uh, do you, you know, do you see, is there a sort of growing battle of, uh, difficulties in terms of an employment environment or do you just see that is kind of standard practice and everyone needs to be careful of, of what they're doing you know and I suppose the same can apply to in-person interviews and stuff like that but do you really get to know the person when you are doing remote interviews and they you don't actually see them in person and um, you know, don't is am I instead sort of making more of the yeah the differential than there is, or do you see it as a sort of growing problem?
1: I see it as both. So as as I think I pointed out earlier systems, so for example, in Remotefy, we make sure that um, there's background checks as you would do in, in in normal scenarios, you still get all the pre-employment requirements that are, are needed, right? And then you make sure that if you then, um, Give the devices. You sign for accountability forms, and you make sure that you are able to wipe it remotely. And there's a lot of things that you can do to 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 guarantee that. But at the same time, that accountability form then says that, of course, if they don't return it, then you can deduct it from 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 their pay, for example. Uh, but Strong middle management is the key to making sure um, and leadership, senior leadership as well, and making sure that this is successful. I mean, I've led teams, remote teams, even before I started Remotify, I led remote teams in Hong Kong and Portugal. Um, there's a team also in London and, and I've really not been with them physically, but I got to know them with strong processes of you know performance management and systems and you know culture code of conduct you you are able to do that now without strong uh systems and leadership and management systems then that all you know crumbles i suppose regardless Mm -hmm. if it's remote or in person
0: and what about scale you know you're you're at a good size now i mean 100 still a lot of people isn't it to to sort of maintain that culture, but maybe with your previous employer, as you sort of go into hundreds of staff, things inevitably move from the sense of being a family and a small community, and people kind of manage their own situation. To when you have a thousand, ten thousand staff, yeah. everything has to become a little bit productized, and mm-hmm. you know you lose the humanity, and they're replaced by systems and have you encountered that yet within your organization or do you feel still feel that, you know, you can, even when you grow to a thousand people, you can maintain that humanity and systems without it becoming almost like a, a production line?
1: That's the intention. And I've been thinking about that as well, but I am of the belief that it's always in the design of the operation, right? So you, you don't have to always be, you know, manually doing stuff. Of course, there's a need to automate, there's a need to scale, there's a need to 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 grow. But if your framework is solid to make sure that there's the human touch, there's the, you know, even if they wanna book a kumustahan call or a high, a low call that you're there. And to make sure that if, if it's, you know, if it's a birthday or if it's an anniversary, these are little things that, you know, uh, are just the right thing to do, and it's not. It shouldn't get lost if you're if you're clear on your organization's mission and values. So, I still see yeah. that it's happening. It's all in the design.
0: It's fascinating, isn't it? And so, client side, then who who are you appealing to? Who who do you see yourself as your target market, um, and and as well, like how how do you reach out to them because Every, everyone in outsourcing sees outsourcing as you know the most incredible value proposition, and it should sell itself. But then actually, it is hard to sell. And there's a lot of sort of, I suppose, disbelief and distrust in the industry. So how, how have you managed to expand to your first 100 staff? That's, that's pretty incredible in such a short time. Mm,
1: thank you. Um, so we use Outsource Accelerator for one, and then... Um, we make sure that we invest really in close relationships with our clients, and making sure that we're on point with service, and that made us to 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 grow with a uh, a lot of word of mouth recommendation. Um, we really so we 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 serve the small to medium businesses. Our approach to employment solution enables small to medium businesses globally to. As you know, save seventy percent on the labor cost while while keeping a hundred percent compliant with the uh, Philippine labor laws. They don't have to do the uh, heavy lifting on HR administrative work, payroll, um, and team engagement. They we we really um, afford our clients to to focus on growing their business. And I guess when when you have the right talents and when you have the right service, then then that all comes to play. I mean, and um, I've loaded it on our outsource accelerator page where we've shared um, a handful of clients that you know. Just when I ask, would you like to be a um, a testimonial client or a case study, and within within a heartbeat they say yes. And you know that speaks to the value proposition of Filipino talents, but at the same time of of the of the design of the solution. So. Remotify is really uh, an employer of record, and we, we want to make sure, we really want to make sure that we enable freedom, security, and flexibility, and to make remote outsourcing simply excellent, cost-effective, mm. and sustainable for all.
0: So. It's, uh yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? And um, do you find that clients are, are they all aware of outsourcing now, or is there a big education piece still, or, you know... Are they? So what I'm saying is, is everyone aware of this opportunity now? Or do you have to convince them that there is this opportunity? Or are they now so familiar with it? It's just a case of who they choose to use? Um, How do you find your conversations?
1: A lot of them are aware, some of them are shocked with with the cost savings, right? There are some that really they've heard about it. And then when they tried it, they really are amazed by the level of talent. Of the Filipinos because we are um, in the privileged position where we are, we're ahead by decades compared to other countries um, in in outsourcing and then you you have clients that that then um, employ somebody in in the outsourcing space with a background from JPMC or read Elsevier or all of these big names and at a fraction of the cost, right? So there's, there's this genuinely nice surprise, but there's also some bit of education as to how the culture is, because a lot of, for example, cultural nuances where, you know, some Filipinos don't know how to say no, um, they don't want to be a burden and they keep on taking, taking the, the job and they are not very upfront with, with, with saying their comments and that's something that then some clients would have to to work through um but yeah from a from an awareness perspective i think more and more businesses are now more aware of the um really the advantages of outsourcing and we're moving away from the typical perception of that it's just call center work or, and it's not just because the call center industry has really uh, given uh, a lot of value to a lot of organizations, right? But before, when you think of BPOs, it's typically contact center work. But now more and more people understand that it's also software development work. It's also the creatives. It's also all all the good knowledge things. And the good of the pandemic, well, it's it's not good that we had a pandemic, but the, the silver lining to it is that the globalization of work was really, it, it, it really got opened up with digitalization, but the pandemic blew that lid right off. And so people are more aware that you shouldn't be holding yourself back, hiring somebody within the 30-kilometer radius of where you are. There's more talent and there's more cost savings. And with this, you know, environment, macroeconomic environment where it keeps shifting and there's so much threat, it is to the advantage of big and small companies to to keep their people, to, to retain the talent the, the operational level that they need or that they require to operate, but at the same time to cut costs where they can. And I believe outsourcing is a fantastic way of doing that without sacrificing the quality of uh, of the teams that you have or the members that you have. Again, so long, the caveat there is so long as we make sure that we treat it as any other employment where you need to have strong process is you need to have strong systems to support that you no know, people understand where they where they stand you are able to give people um all the equipment knowledge and tools they need to do their work right that you are able to create an atmosphere where they are really optimized meaning they are put in the position or they're put in the roles where they are sh- you know, suited for, and they feel that they can contribute and make a difference because it's in human nature. It's in you know, neuropsychology that you know people would want to feel that self-actualization, and that doesn't matter if it's
0: remote or in person. So, and yeah. what roles do you focus on specifically? Where do you where do you find you add a lot of value? Is it in the developer roles or or assistant roles? Where's your sweet spot?
1: We we are a general provider, but there are a lot of creatives, uh, creative roles. There's also um, development roles, but there's a lot of uh, uh, marketing. We also support um, a lot of research and service roles. It's incredible how
0: diverse it is, huh? Um, Yeah. And the options are unlimited really.
1: Yeah, we also have a client um, who's now into ed tech, and really making sure that we improve, we help improve the quality of um, knowledge and curriculum modules in the in the medical schools, and and you know uh, we have uh, knowledge writers for that um, with with. Uh, um you know sufficient medical background or we we also help and this one in particular i'm very proud of because we help um a company um who runs neurodiverse training like they they train um people in the u.s um to 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 be prepared to take jobs after they fall off the the, the support the government support and you know the coaches um, are from the Philippines, and we make sure that you know those neurodiverse, di- uh, diverse individuals land a good job, say in security or AI, etc. And that's really making a, a big difference in in the lives of people, right? So.
0: Well, it's an incredible story, Maria, and congratulations! You've done so well. You've crossed that. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, um, ravine um, between corporate work and and working for yourself and and you're doing an incredible job and providing a fantastic service and and helping the economy. Uh, Really, congratulations to you. As always, I encourage people to reach out. So if they want to have a chat to you or learn more about Remotify, how can they get in touch?
1: Just go ahead and visit www.remotify.ph and our friendly team will be able to assist you.
0: Maria, that's fantastic. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you very much, Derek. Pleasure to be chatting again.
0: That was Maria Sukgang. She is the founder and CEO of Remotify. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to OutsourceAccelerator.com slash podcast. And if you want to email us, just send us an email to ask at OutsourceAccelerator.com. See you next
1: time.